Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. MLS 2023, hopping in a spray! Sensational style! Pull back to the edge. Trunko! Oh, what an absolute scorcher! Say, watch out. Miller backing up. Oh, goodness! It's your heart out, Lucas Elrion! Almada goes for it. Thiago Almada! World class! Lionel Messi getting ready to enter for Inter Miami. Here it is. Messi! With Kazan off his line, off the post, puts the ball in. Oh, of course he did. No stopping. Lionel Messi. Miami finishes the script. The first ever Leagues Cup champions. Lionel Messi. Danny Buanga is back. No better striker in Major League Soccer. And all is good again for LAFC. The Columbus crew got the ultimate gift of winning MLS Cup, but all the teams that came up short could use a little bit of help from us. We're the ones uh, <laughs> Very that are going to solve all of the problems. You're welcome, MLS. You're welcome. Uh, so, no, we, we've been in the holiday spirit, so we figured how about we think of some gifts to give out to some MLS teams in need going into 2024. And Alexis, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Uh, gift, what gift card are you getting? Big shock. So get, look out for an email, NYCFC. You're getting an e-card. It's a long code. You put it in, you're going to be fine. Uh, I'm giving NYCFC, uh, which I'm very open about being my favorite team, yeah. season ticket holder. I'm going to give them, look, they're part of City Football Group, okay? And we're watching City Football Group's blossom everywhere. Not just Manchester City, but we're seeing Girona, second place in La Liga. They've got a striker up top named Dovbik who's got 11 goals. You know what NYCFC could use? Someone like that. Now, I'm not saying Dovbik goes to NYCFC, but I'm saying if we have the system across the entire city football group that has strikers flourishing like Julian Alvarez, uh, Erling Holland, you heard of those guys? We might have just talked about them. Erling and Holland, I think, MLS? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bring them on, MLS. No, Financial fair play. <laughs> Like the if, internet. If NYCFC could just find their own Dovbik, their own Julian Alvarez, their own Erling Haaland, I think it would be great. And you know what? Since I'm playing Santa right now, I give you the gift of a striker who actually wants to play the number nine. Please, please, we want to win MLS Cup again. And at a baseball field, too. Yeah. Hey, whatever. It's a, turns out you can also play baseball at the stadium. Did you That's know that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. But, but New York is not the hardest selling point in the world. No. They've already proven that with previous DPs, so I like that show. Yeah. Yankee Stadium? Uh, maybe not that side of New York. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, did Derek Jeter ever hit a home run at any of the teams you follow, Stadium? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, before I move on to Michael with the next one, do you think, though, for NYCFC that they're – that their issues come down to just missing a striker? There's a couple of issues, and I think investment in the first team. Um, you, they, they have a really good system of wanting to balance some of the homegrowns and some of the youth players with some more stable, you know, some more veteran presence. Um, bringing Maxi Morales back, I think, was a huge step in that direction. Unfortunately, he gets injured right away, and he's a little bit up there in age. 
So there's definitely some other things you need to you need to address. But I will say, having no specific number nine, Talis Magno trying him at the number nine when he's been vocal about it not being his best position. And Mike, you could talk about how difficult that is when you're being put in a position that you're just like, I'm not built for this. I can do this if you want me to, but I'm not built for it. How difficult it is to win in something like that. So getting a number nine that wants to play mm. the number nine, yeah, you not want, just as built. You want your players playing in their best position. That yeah. is typically when teams tend to do better, but yeah. you've got a gift to hand out as well. Yeah, before I hand out this massive gift, I want to put a bow on that, and I think this NYCFC team was made for a classic number nine. Mm -hmm. Last time they had that, they won MLS Cup, so the system is built yeah. around that focal point. Speaking of number nines, and I have been an Austin FC fan, but I'm going to go across the state to the city of Houston, Houston Dynamo FC. Hmm. They made the Western Conference Final. They won the U.S. Open Cup, all without a striker. Corey Beard, he was moonlighting as a striker. He was moonwalking across back lines, and he had eight goals on the season, but he ain't that guy. He ain't that guy that's going to lead him to MLS Cup. No disrespect to Corey Beard, or maybe full disrespect to him, because they need a striker. Mm -hmm. If they get a center forward, it's a completely different side. Against LAFC in the Western Conference Final, you just saw that they got bullied up top. Yep. They have the midfield, and just just imagine a striker running off the passes of Hector Herrera. Coco Carasquilla, could we see him as a Houston Dynamo player? But if he comes back for Houston Dynamo, those two, they can pull the strings. They can play whatever passing range, whatever sort of pass that you want as a striker. If they get a center forward that's a proven goal scorer or someone who is more of a believable goal scorer, I think you're looking at one of the favorites to win MLS Cup. 100% agree. It was never an issue of creating chances for Houston, and that was actually really a problem for them throughout the entire playoffs. They just ran into uh, too big of a giant in LAFC yeah. that got the better of them and were really just solid on the counterattack as well, but Houston being more efficient with their chances, creating chances. They were doing that all day long. And Olsen is texting his owner right now, like, are you watching Morning Footy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Benny, to, listen to me. Shout out to Ben Olsen. He joined the show a number of times throughout uh, yeah. last season. Great uh, great year for Houston Dynamo, and I agree. If they get a, a true number nine, look out. They're going to be uh, right back where they were this last year. All right, Christine? I had no idea we were all being so attack-minded, but mm. here we go. Uh, amidst all of these speculation, because, of course, we are on the precipice of the January transfer window and LA Galaxy are in need of a new DP with the exit of Chicharito and rumor has it Louis kind of wants out so who would not want Robert Lewandowski currently eight goals high uh, four assists wide um, and playing like he is at least a decade younger than he is I think he'd be perfect but would this be the right time given how well he's still playing for him to move to MLS he could be the guy he could be the guy. The guy. The guy. And the guy. LA Galaxy, <laughs> very know it, a guy. Right? And guy. another another club right. and it's city. It's a historic club for yeah. MLS. I think I think he'd have a nice time out in LA. He went from mm. beach town to another beach town. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to go back to another winter tundra. <laughs> the only decision for him is, is he still good enough for another Europe. spot where he is the guy in Europe? And I yeah. think so. I feel like I there's another year or two, and I feel like he's going to have three years after that where he's of the ilk where he can still provide something for MLS. So you just need him to make that decision. Do you? Are you that upset at Barca where you want to leave Europe? Are Listen, you this is Barca? my gift. Yeah. And I said LA <laughs> well, Galaxy are getting Get Louis. back well, in the package. Do you give him, <laughs> you give him a two-part gift? Because he, he's a player that needs someone to give him the ball. And mm. the Galaxy, Chicharito, when he had the sort of service around Ricky him. Pouge. Ricky Pouge. Ricky Pouge. Ricky Pouge. Oh, that's a good Unlocks shot. Unlocks Ricky Pouge. Mm -hmm. 
it's not a bad, it's not a bad well, shout. Thank you. My gift is the best yeah. gift of all the gifts. I mean, You're that's welcome. not. I didn't pick a specific <laughs> player, which I should have. Yeah. But that is a great gift. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know what? All hey, Robert Lewandowski, go to NYCFC. Huh? <laughs> no. Alexis is like, this I, isn't white elephant, yeah. Alexis. We got Orchard Beach. Now, don't Google it, okay? <laughs> Manhattan Beach, Orchard Beach. <laughs> hey, Robert, check your inbox. Alexis says a uh, very special Everybody gift. Everybody gets the e-card, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I like everyone's picks. Uh, I think going with the more attack was uh, was was on par, but uh, we'll take a break here on Morning Footy. When we come back, we are uh, reflecting on a big 2023. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Victor Ossiman dancing against the Atalanta. The fans! That is brilliant! Napoli are Italian champions once again. A joy that will be remembered for ages in the south of Italy. Queens of Europe at half time. They look down and out with a second half fight back. Two quick fire goals. And then a winner from the Swede for just the second time in the Catalan history. They are champions of Europe. A win for the U.S., a confirmation for Canada, a coronation right up to the edge of the six. It's Chris Richards with the opener. He's been beaming with confidence. Foreign Balogun has his first international goal for the U.S. The U.S. back-to-back Nations League champions. This is as big as it gets. Great job for Manchester City. Manchester City become the 23rd winners of the big one. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, champions of Europe. What a year 2023 was. Great looking back on some of the best moments from the footballing world. And uh, that gave us the opportunity as we get set for 2024 to think of our favorite moments across the sport from 2023. It was hard to pick. There were so many good ones, but Lahoud, I'm coming to you first here. What was your moment of this last year? It's a moment that still lives on. It's a moment that there's no end in sight given how good this player is. It's the signing of Jude Bellingham and what he continues to do with Real Madrid. Hey Jude, this kid is amazing. (laughs) And him playing higher up the field, no one knew. No one saw this coming. 
He believed in himself. And credit to Carlo Ancelotti. A lot of question marks over how would they cope without Karim Benzema. No recognized striker. Jose Lu comes in. Question marks over that signing. You put Jude Bellingham in and you get a world-class player. You get a world-class goal scorer and a record breaker. Recently breaks a record held by Cristiano Ronaldo. His first 15 matches scored 13 goals. Jude Bellingham breaks that record. 14 goals in 15 matches for Madrid. Are you kidding me? You pay, what, 100 million pounds? He's worth that so much more. Double the price on that. He is <laughs> such an investment for the future and the present. Yeah, excited to see what Jude Bellingham does in 2024. I, I think the best is only yet to come, which feels kind of crazy to even say. Uh, Christine, oh, your I'm favorite. Up next. You're up next. My, my moment is the Spain women's national team winning their very first World Cup, despite all odds, uh, top scorer and captain Jenny Hermoso putting in full shift, Aitana Bonmati. They had just such a stacked squad and they play so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But what a moment we got this absolutely first time team, which when we got through the debutantes, you kind of saw it coming. There was a chance, but they literally managed to do this despite everything going wrong. Yeah, a, up to it. a lot of countries in the women's game really put themselves on the map in this World Cup and a lot of players as well. I think if there's one thing that we learned from this last World Cup is that the rest of the world is catching up and has caught up to the U.S. And it's only going to make for more exciting competitions on the international stage for years to come. The investments that other FAs are making now presently because they mm-hmm. see that there's value in the women's side of the game. Mm-hmm. Even the smallest, you're seeing these massive, massive leaps in both competition, in talent, in training. And it's, it's wonderful for the sport globally. Mm-hmm. Of course, we want it to move that way. But, you know, it, it also kind of shreds away a little bit of that lead that the U.S. women had because we had such a comprehensive program in, in contrast to some of the other developing mm-hmm. countries. Yeah, and Spain, just so fun mm. to watch. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, a beautiful, beautiful brand of football. All right, Alexis, your yes. best football. Just the Spain, too. For That mm. women's team had so many hurdles just even going into the tournament. And coming out and of it, bodying it, And then, they, of course, on the way out. So yeah. at least now we get to celebrate them. So great shout, Christine. Um, I personally, for me, I would say the best moment was watching Arsenal back in the Champions League. Uh, what a what a gap we had there. The last time they were in the Champions League was the 2016-2017 season, but they had they had qualified for the Champions League since 1998 consecutively through 2016-17. So uh, to see them get back and to see them playing well, developing young players, you know how hard it is for teams when they get rid of or they move on from the omnipotent, no, you know, been there for a long time, you know, makes all the decisions manager. How difficult that can be. Manchester United are still going through that process. We've seen it with other clubs. And for Arsenal to pick back up, bring in someone like Mikel Arteta and to see the development and Jeff Shreves brought it up, the home field advantage. I remember the first time I went to an Arsenal match, Giroud was on the team, Jervinho was on the team. It was my first chance I got to go to the Emirates. And I remember sitting there going like, huh, it's kind of quiet in here, you know? Mm. It was in that, you know, Wenger out era. Mm. And now to see the vibes in there, the times I've gone recently, the vibes are incredible. It feels like a fortress again. To see that happening, for me, that was the moment of the year. Not that it's better than your moments. I think you guys did a great job, but that's personally for me. That's awesome. Well, that was the whole premise of, of this exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not like, yeah, forget the yeah. Women's World Cup. Yeah. I'll tell you what's better, Arsenal getting another no, competition. I, I love that shout because in a Premier League era that's been so dominated by Manchester City, mm-hmm. as fans of the global game and I think as fans of football in general, 
we're all looking to see which side's going to pip Manchester City to that title. And Liverpool did it a couple of years ago. But Arsenal, that right to dream, Mikel Arteta giving the youngsters, it's everything that's good about football. I just wish they wore a red jersey in Manchester. No, well, I mean, they got the right red jersey. Yeah, yeah they got the right red. But, you know, hey, how about something that's uh, not football? Or wait, you got a moment first. I've got a moment first. Yeah, my bad. Hold your horses, Alexis. <laughs> I, I took the low-hanging fruit here, and my moment. What would you say, Messi? <laughs> like, reveals a Messi jersey on uh, No, I had to go with Lionel Messi, but this moment specifically, his oh, yeah. first goal for Inter-Miami, mm. stoppage time game winner against Cruz Azul in the uh, League's Cup, which, of course, Miami would go on to win. I just, I remember watching that moment, and there was so much discourse leading up to that actual first game, right? From the time that Messi was announced coming to Inter-Miami to the second that he stepped out into the field for the first time, coming in in the 60th minute in that match. And for him to come in and make the impact that he did in that game and then put up the numbers he did throughout the rest of the League's Cup, it was, it was already enough that he was even coming to Major League Soccer for people who are fans of the league and just fans of the game here domestically. But for him to come in and immediately do what everyone was hoping he would. It, you just couldn't have written the story any better. And I just think that that competition, that those few months of Lionel Messi with Inter-Miami in that first year, regardless of how the rest of his time with the club ends up, will just go down in the history books as some of the most incredible and unbelievable times. His uh, signing still soccer. feels like a fever dream. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. You're not wrong. Because there was so much pomp and just mm. overexposure, media and otherwise, that it feels like you just fell into a tank of messy. Right. And you have no idea what's what's up or down. Yeah. Um, I've never heard pomp used on its own. <laughs> you want circumstance, yeah, too? Yeah, I've never heard it. I didn't, know it. And, yeah. I didn't know it could be on its own, you know? Yeah. It's that, like me showing up to my in-laws house by myself. They'd be like, where is she? Why are you here? So You're not the one we want. Assault always <laughs> travels with the pepper then, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, homie, we don't. The pomp and circumstance of it all. Um, Please leave. But yeah, the circumstance, it... not the pomp. Uh, <laughs> I will say, in a, non, in a non-football yeah. or non-on-the-pitch uh, related, uh, the real, I think, best moment yeah. for us and the viewers was the start of this network and this show. How incredible yeah. is that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of coming in the summer, you and I first start coming in the summer, and you've been a part of CBS for a while, but it's amazing how life changes in the span of just a year, and it's kind of <laughs> yeah. looking forward to the future. My we need day on Zoom, the desk. The Zoom filter with the thumbs up right now yeah. would be yeah. great yeah. with the fireworks yeah. behind the fireworks, us. The balloons. <laughs> no, my second day on the desk when I first came up here was when the messy news broke. So mm, I think, you know, for me, that. that will always kind of be special as well, just because wow. that was... A, a crazy first uh, introduction to yeah. uh, the Galazzo Network. But let's take a look back on some of the best memories. For there finally to be one show talking about the entire world of this sport, bro. You think I'm less than as a, as a black man in your locker room. How can, how can I look at you the same way? You had this player who led you to your first Scudetto in 30 years, and within a couple months, you're now mocking him on social media. I mean, I can't think of a better champion of, of women and their fight for equality than Gianni and Vincenzo. Are you surprised? I hear the sarcasm dripping from my face. What are you telling a 14-year-old for you do? Put all the other distractions to the side and just focused on my craft. I was able to get into places where, you know, a teenager wasn't supposed to be getting into. Still, I'm struggling to see them as rival because they're in a different state, you know, but... He's saying we're not from New York. Yeah, okay, but, you know, they play home games in our stadium. Uh, 
And they also play in the baseball stadium, so so what does that make them? So, yeah, it's Footy Kid Friday. This is what we do. What's wonderful about sport is it, it brings people together. Oh, what a, it hasn't even been a full year, but I just have to say I'll never forget when Morning Footy first launched and tuning in every single morning, not really knowing that I would end up being a part of this network a, a few months later. But a show and a network that has addressed a need that was there for so long for soccer fans. And it's just it's amazing to even be a small part of it. But, man, shout out to everyone yes. uh, that has made this possible because it's just the beginning and it's it's been a, a great not even full 2023 yeah. of this. And just everyone behind the camera that worked yeah. so hard to make this happen. Oh, it is yeah. a massive, massive task to, one, make me look presentable. <laughs> put this show on. And you guys deserve all the credit back there. They don't, you don't get on camera enough as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, well, Alexis just in the hair and makeup chair, unfortunately, yeah. those highlights didn't make the cut. But yeah. uh, we'll have those. Just me yelling at the staff. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my coffee? Yeah, this bagel's cold uh, and this one's too hot. Morning, yeah. pretty B-roll. Alexis. It's just me throwing all the makeup off. The yeah. I wonder what award that would win. All right, well, let's uh, step aside for a quick break. When we come back, Freddie rejoins us for more of today's top headlines. Stick around. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at your Thursday Footy Fix. And uh, you don't need the multiple screens today, folks. Just uh, two matches to look forward to. Brighton taking on Tottenham at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on USA. And Arsenal against West Ham United, a big one at 3.15 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. Now let's send it over to Freddie for some headlines. Freddie, what was your favorite footballing moment from this last year? I live in Miami, and I'm telling you, I sip that Inter-Miami Kool-Aid so hard. <laughs> I've been a Barcelona fan for so long. I love Leo Messi. So all of that, I went to the murals, I was taking selfies in Wynwood. I'm all about that. I don't consider it picking from the low-hanging fruit because it really was the biggest moment for us in the U.S. But let's get on over now to the African Cup of Nations because that begins in early January. And rosters are slowly being rolled out this week. Cameroon announced their 27-man squad and the big name included... Manchester United goalkeeper Andre Onana. Onana originally had retired from international duty last year following a disagreement with the Federation president. But if Onana does opt in for AFCON, he could miss up to four Premier League games for Manchester United. Lahoud, I know, my friend, that you are a Man U fan and an AFCON enthusiast. So how do you feel about Onana potentially rejoining Cameroon, but also missing out some much-needed time with Man U? I'm torn. From a Manchester United standpoint, it's never a good time to lose anyone, especially when you need all the players, all your key players, the injury problems and the defensive frailties at the back. You get the big win against Aston Villa. You start to think momentum is building. But as an advocate for AFCON football, I want the best players at AFCON. If Mo Salah is going to be at AFCON, Onana should be at AFCON. Put your differences aside with Samuel Eto and the Federation. Every player going to AFCON has issues with their Federation. It's nothing new, but I actually like that he's going. I think it gives more validity and credibility to the tournament. How much of a setback would that be, though, for Man U, who just, it seems like consistency has also been a big mm. issue for them, despite some of you know the issues that we've just seen on the field. And Onana has been 
on the, on the losing end of, of not having that consistency in front of them on the back line as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they cope, but they have a backup goalkeeper who's no slouch, Altai Byander. He's used to getting games, and he came to Manchester United to raise his profile. So what a time for him to step in, an important time of the season. We'll see how good he is because it's – I think it's really difficult as a goalkeeper to come in out of the cold completely, put on the gloves, and play in the theater of dreams. Just difficult because he just started winning back that home crowd. Mm. Onana just started. Yeah, he's yeah. just kind he's of turning the He's the momentum corner. that he needs to yeah. stay. Obviously, huge night and day between what he had at Inter with one of the best defenses in the league, possibly in Europe, and now Man U with all of their issues. But I also, side note, I don't understand, and, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, the perception specifically of AFCON as less significant as a tournament is pervasive. I feel like it, it comes into these conversations just so casually where it's, you know, there's no problem releasing players for other international competitions, but we keep having this issue specifically with AFCON. Do you have any thoughts on, like, why this keeps recurring, uh, ways to circumvent that, why it's kind of diminished as a, as a tournament? I think because now you're having a lot of your key players from European clubs, especially in a league like the Premier League, having to go at the worst time in football in a league like the Prem, the Festival of Football the key games coming Boxing Day and throughout the new year. And I think it's probably a bitterness to losing players. Your Mo Salahs, your Saidu Mane's. But I think all that changes when an African team gets to a World Cup final. When Morocco pushes the envelope, it makes everyone take a step back and say, wait a second, this is the same Morocco team that will be competing at AFCON. I can't wait for an African side to win the World Cup because I think that's when the shine will truly be given. How about yeah. this? How about this? It's too hot to play AFCON in mm. the summer, so you split up a season. Do it in America. Now, I think we can. Afcon we had Afcon in America, okay? Afcon at MetLife. How about that? I'm about, kidding, by the way. Yeah. Please don't <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm totally listen, kidding. By we've the way. done Copa America at MetLife, yeah. and that was fine. I still have Bro. PTSD Oof. about trying to leave the stadium, but it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Afcon Thank you. America. Yeah, imagine that. I'm going right. to talk to Please. the powers of beast. <laughs> Please. No, I'm you know, kidding. Someone, Call them up. No, someone's watching yeah. from CAF. And it's like, 100% is like, Afcon America. Did you say yeah. money? Yeah. yeah. Man, Alexis, ben Olsen's texting AFCON. Are you guys watching Morning Footage? <laughs> <laughs> Alexis just full of uh, incredible ideas today. You know who else uh, has some great insights? Our good friend Christina Uncle. She's going to join us to talk about the year of refereeing that we had and some changes coming to MLS next season. morning footy well new year new rules coming to major league soccer in 2024 here are some of the notable rule changes ahead of next season the off-field treatment rule which is if a player is down for 15 or more seconds the player must leave the field for a minimum of two minutes you've also got the timed substitution rule which says that subs must exit the field within 10 seconds that is Kind of crazy to me, honestly, when I think about that. Got to get on your high horse and sprint off the pitch. Uh, in stadium VAR announcement, which is a big one, which is that refs will announce VAR decisions to stadium uh, pending IFAB approval. So Christina Uncle, our uh, rules expert here on CBS, joins us now to talk about some of these changes. And let's get right into it with MLS and some of these rules that will be coming in 2024. I think one of the biggest ones is the VR, VAR announcements being made in stadium. I'm just curious how we got here and if this is approved, what this will mean uh, in 2024 based on what you are expecting. 
Yeah, how we got here is what the people have demanded is to know, especially when you're in stadium, what is the decision? What was the outcome? Instead of just giving the VAR signal and pointing penalty or awarding it off, is the referee actually declaring it? And this is for focusing on both the uh, transparency as well as to for lack of um, confusion in and itself. We've seen this at the men and women's FIFA World Cup. It was approved and it was used where a referee would come out of the VAR monitor and announce their decision on the field. I personally like it. I know that others will like it. What you will not hear is the communication back and forth between the referee and the VAR room until after the decision has come out. Then the referee will announce the decision. So due to the fact that FIFA has used it in the World Cup, has come out with glowing you know, remarks and positivity, we anticipate that IFAB will make this a formal uh, approval in May for it to begin in time for MLS next year. Um, uh, first of all, your hair looks amazing. Uh, holiday hair, killing it right now. Um, I want to ask in particular about the rule about uh, if you're down for 15 seconds, a player has to come out for two minutes. Now, with any rule you add to a free-flowing, you know, invasion sport like soccer, typically you can take advantage of some of these rules. And I'm starting to already feel some of these teams that maybe slide in attack was a little bit harder thinking, well, hey, if I hurt somebody, now we get we're up a man for, for two minutes. Um, do we, is there something to counteract that, or do we see that this could be taken advantage of? Do you think we'll see some changes to this rule? Yeah, and these rules are made, and there's always going to be a balance from individuals trying to game the system, which is always part of the point. But some of these rules have already been used in MLS Next Pro and have been piloted to see how the results have been, the statistics, and whether or not there is more going towards, to your point, will someone go in for a harder injury uh, and hoping that the person won't get up in 15 seconds and then will be uh, uh, out for two minutes for medical check, right, which goes back to the health and safety of the player. That being said, there are exceptions to the rule, as there always are exceptions. And this exception here is if there is a serious injury, a goalkeeper injury, um, if there is um, a, a foul where it's a yellow, it's a red card uh, significance of a foul, those will still maintain the same, that even if they're down for 15 seconds, they will still remain on the field and will not have to have a two-minute two medical injury. Head injuries, naturally, we take them out, and there's no time limit with regard to head injuries. But when we talk about goalkeeper injuries, when we talk about yellow, red card fouls, to your point, if, if the severity of the foul raises that level, there won't be that two minute. Really what this is trying to capture is any individuals who would like to use the dark arts to lie around the ground and try to deceive or attempt to get the referee's attention to stop the free flowing part of the game. Christina, so I'm just curious. I know this is probably a consideration, but I feel like some of these new rules keep inching MLS closer and closer to more of an NFL review model, which just elongates game, changes momentum, impacts certain things. How much do you think these changes are going to actually eventually make the game evolve? Oh, Koopa, I would actually flip it and say this feels a little bit more like the baseball model when we talk about some of these rules. The idea here is truly to stamp out the dark arts, right? They talk about evolving the game, eliminating and preserving the integrity, a.k.a. remove the dark arts because many of them go towards a timing concern, right? When we talk about individuals who are down on the ground for 15 seconds, then they'll have to come out for two minutes. When we talk about individuals having to leave the field within 10 seconds, uh, if not, then the incoming substitute has to wait 60 seconds. And for the next stoppage period, it's really kind of like Major League Baseball's uh, pitch clock. We're trying to eliminate the time that is wasted by these types of tactics and antics. 
So that's really where more of this is going to, where it's going to protection um, of the players. It's going to a bit more of transparency to the fans and audience, especially those in stadium who don't get as much of our voices as punditries uh, explaining what's going on. And it's also going to eliminating that time wasting and saving those referees from having to run and try to usher a player off the field when we know what they're doing is trying to really just milk that time. Okay, counter. Dark arts have always been part of the game and makes it more entertaining, especially if you can tiptoe on that line. I know as a ref you're going to argue no, it should never be, but come on, Christina. Well, I mean, let's just put it straight. You're a Mourinho fan, so we're just going to say your dark arts <laughs> tactics are way out of proportion. So we always know where there's that little gray area and that little space to tap into it, but there's some times where you as an official, for example, you got about a minute left in that additional time, and that person is walking off the field, and they're already sitting on a yellow card. Are you going to second yellow card, red card, and send them off at that time? The answer is no. So instead, you get that beratement. Um, Koopa, I want to give you a whistle. I think you'll feel exactly why it is that. <laughs> I agree with you. Definitely give Christine a whistle, not me, because I don't even know what is going on half the time. But I do know this. There's been a lot of rule changes, and sometimes I, it just does my head in with some of the rule changes added to Major League Soccer. And sometimes I wonder, okay, are we heading in a really interesting direction? Question for you, though. Could we be seeing additional rule changes in the next coming years or advancements in things like goal line technology coming to Major League Soccer? Yeah, there's always going to be some evolution of the rules and the laws, which there should be because the game is always evolving. It's gotten faster, quicker, the speed, uh, the demand for technology, the fact that technology is now and previously before about, I think it's like eight years ago, uh, the bench wasn't allowed to have any technology. Try monitoring that, right? Uh, you have to tell the coach to put their cell phone away. Um, that type of thing will always be evolving and growing. Now, when it comes down to technology that already exists that may not be in Major League Soccer right now, to your point, goal line technology or semi-automated offside technology. That really comes down to the board of governors and the owners making that decision of wanting to put a financial amount of money into the game for referees to have more technology. Uh, and it really comes out to that kind of counterbalance. And when we say more money, we're talking about millions of dollars. We're not talking about thousands. We're talking about millions of dollars of putting that. And then how much does it really impact? And I would argue that actually Major League Soccer has benefited from not even having those offside lines that paint the field that we saw in Premier League when they first started because we didn't have those offsides by toe lines, by a little bit of centimeters. Um, so there's been a benefit. But there will always be some modifications, uh, especially as the game progresses and as there's more demand uh, for perfection by the fans and audience, which is what introduced VAR, not officials, but the fans and uh, players and coaches. Christina, a controversial uh, proposed rule that could be coming is the introduction of sin bins, which would essentially work as a penalty box like you see in hockey where players have to come off for a certain amount of time before they can come back onto the ice. Um, number one, what are you hearing about the sin bins? And is this something we could see coming to Major League Soccer as one of uh, the first leagues to trial uh, this new rule? Yeah, they are testing these out. And as I mentioned, the ones that are being introduced for the following year have been tested with MLS Next Pro and continue to take a look at sin bins. If you take a little bit of a look at the timed uh, substitution rule, that's kind of, it's not exactly sin bin rule, but it's that same concept of if you don't get off in time, then you have a 60 second delay. I will be the first to say for everybody that the fourth officials need to get paid higher money if we're going to be introducing sin bin rules because no longer are they dealing with substitutions and player and bench management. They are now going to have to monitor uh, individuals and keeping them off the field. You know, we correlate that, right, because we see it quite a bit in hockey here in the United States. 
Um, it, it doesn't feel natural at this point, which is why it wasn't introduced in 2024. Don't know if it's going to truly curb the amount of appeal. You know, we won't probably, I don't know if individuals want the game of power play due to the fact of how big the size of our field is. So because it doesn't feel natural, I don't see that being implemented in the next year or two. Um, the response back from those who are doing it in the pilot program is, is it's just very awkward. Uh, and managing, managing that as an additional layer to the game when the game already brings enough for us as officials. Let's talk some history makers in world football from the refereeing standpoint. You have Rebecca Welsh and Sam Allison refereeing Premier League matches. What does it mean to you to see the advancement and just the profile of referees changing in the world's game? Yeah, if you would have asked me or you would have told me this was happening five years ago, many of us would have said it, it, it wasn't going to happen. And why? Because there was people at the table who decided and who had those opinions and beliefs that the soccer wasn't ready. The football community wasn't ready. You know what? The football community has been ready. And if you are qualified, the significance of both Rebecca Welsh and Sam Allison is that it shows that as long as you are qualified, nobody cares about your race, your gender, your identification, any other marks. As long as you're qualified, you should be stepping into that field. So to see Rebecca Welsh, who has proven herself from not only working on the EFL and Sam Allison as well, too, but knowing that they've broken these um glass ceilings, truly, um, and where we know in England, football is no longer just a man's game. We see it with Mary Earps as well as the keeper. Um, it hasn't been long ago when Sam Macy, right, commentators were saying she doesn't know what offsides was in the sexist language. To see this country change their mentality towards not just women, but black officials refereeing in Premier League, which is considered one of the best leagues in the world, at least from an attainment and a uh, value uh, proposition side of it. This shows and reflects where referee needs to go in modern society. Not only that the modern society requires it and expects it, especially if you're qualified, but most importantly, it reflects the individuals that they're officiating uh, and the diversity nature of it. So for us, it's incredibly huge. It sounds bad to say within my lifetime and my refereeing career, this wasn't what we would think would be a possibility. But we do have to give a shout out to Howard Webb, who used to be uh, our boss here at Pro and now is the boss at PGMO. Because as I said, it, the only way these things occur is if someone who is sitting at the table has values of that accord and also wants to see this put through. So long as you are qualified, nothing else should matter. So I do need to give a shout out to Howard uh, for being able to do that and get this across uh, and for it to be accepted as well. And guess what? Nobody died. Yeah, uh, absolutely beautifully said. And uh, shouts to history being made. In fact, we've gone over this past year a little bit on this show, and we've talked about our favorite moments. But from you, I want to know, what moment were you like, oh, no, I have to go on morning footy tomorrow and defend this, or I have to talk <laughs> about this, and I know the fans are going to hate it, but this is the rule. What was that one moment for you where you were like, oh, God? <laughs> Alexis, outside of every single handling offense uh, in 2023, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll let you know where I feel on that stuff. It has got to be, and it is, uh, the Liverpool-Tottenham game on Diaz's disallowed goal. Uh, it, it, it really burned and it, it really crushed us for the fact from an officiating standpoint because it was a clear... It was a clear, not just a lack of mis uh, miscommunication, right? Many were like, oh, there was a miscommunication. No, it was just a clear disallowment of the protocols and why we have the protocols in place. The technology is being attacked left and right. Officials are being attacked left and right from referees, assault and abuse. And not just the highest levels, but transcending down to the youth levels and the recreational levels. But to see this and to hear the audio, and as soon as we saw this, to know that within that VAR booth, the officials in it, like I said, it wasn't just the VAR. You have an assistant VAR, a video operator who's not technically an official, but who could, you could tell in the voice as we heard the audio released, 
it just kind of once again gave probably a huge punch. I wouldn't say a death blow, but very close to the concept and the integrity of VAR and how officials are using them. That's the one that really gave me a lot of gray hairs. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I definitely need to go back and paint them. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one call that really kind of hit us because there was no way to explain. It's not that we're defending, but there was no way to ever have an explanation as to why there was such a huge miscommunication and lack of attention in that VAR booth uh, in one of the most critical games when we're given technology to get things correct. Feel like Susanna's that. ear just got itchy on, hot, on <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? well, I, The thing about that one, too, I feel like that's we're going to keep hearing about it, just given how mm. tight this race could end up being at the top and Liverpool right up there in the mix. But, Christina, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, as always, great having your insights and, and look forward to chatting with you more as we start to see some of these rules uh, come to play in practice. Thank you all, and Happy New Year's if I don't speak happy to you before. Hopefully, no hopefully, no handballs. Hopefully, no handballs. Hopefully, no handballs. I think we're all in agreement of that. Well, uh, you know who else we want to be happy? The Americans abroad. We always want them to do well. So we're going to talk about uh, a few guys who are really happy with their life in the era to VC and PSV. That's coming up next here on Morning Footy. soccer fan looking for a new team to support then uh, look no further than PSV in the era of VC. They are number one flying and fun to watch. Number two have some really young exciting American players on this team that are making impacts and as also well. Also really like front runners. If you really, yeah, if you like to watch teams that just do not lose. Yeah. Uh, you a fan of parades? <laughs> <laughs> then PSV is more yeah. than love. Uh, come on down, everybody. Uh, no, but it's been incredible to see what this club has done in the air to VC. But even beyond that, just to see what some of the young American players like Ricardo Pepe, Malik Tillman, uh, Serginio Dest have been doing, scoring goals, playmaking, and, and getting meaningful minutes as well, which is something I know we all as U.S. national team fans want to see these players getting ahead of some really important competitions coming up in the next few years. But another important figure to talk about in all of this is the former U.S. soccer sporting director, Ernie Stewart, who is now the director of football uh, at PSV. And it's hard to think that this guy didn't, you know, have a have a role in helping get some of these American players over there, um, but has also probably uh, helped them come in and find that success, you would imagine as well. Lahoon, what have you made of, of the way that these these three guys have come in and really assimilated nicely to, to PSV and, and what they've shown you in terms of just personal player growth on and off the field. I want to go back a decade or maybe a decade plus when we were seeing something similar happen with Rangers Football Club. Mm -hmm. And Rangers, you had the likes of Demarcus Beasley, Moa Du there, Bedoya there, Carlos Bocanegra before that. It became a safe haven for success for American players. I think we're seeing the second rendition of that with PSV, but on a different scale because Dutch football is very good for American players. I think Dutch football is very good for players coming from CONCACAF, Santi Jimenez can speak to that, mm -hmm. and Chukilo Sana can speak to that. And also, what's our big man that played for the Red Bull? 
Josie Altidore. Josie Altidore, yeah. that's right. So there, there's a rich history of American players going and having success in the Dutch league. Now, for that to happen in the Champions League, I think we're seeing a new chapter unfold. That's a Via match. Serginho Dest getting an assist. Ricardo Pepe scoring the game winners. I think it's putting American players on a different scale, on a different map than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dest is actually the most ben- – like, he's gotten the most benefit to the shift of any of the players because he's suddenly starting again. Mm. So there's some magic for him, especially in his Ajax past. But Ernie Stewart, maybe he's like the Serginho Dest whisperer. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, <laughs> that he needs to figure out how to maintain composure, that he's an important player with a lot of talent, but that's one of his soft skills that he needs developing. And I feel like this is finally maybe the perfect breeding ground for him to find flourish here. He's getting all of the starts, whereas Pepe and Tillman both are kind of working off of scant minutes trying to work their way into the squad. Yeah, and, and for Ricardo Pepe, we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, he's in an impossible position right now of playing behind Luke de Young, but he hasn't uh, taken that in and let it be to his detriment. He's almost really embraced his role as being the guy that comes off the bench and makes a difference. We've seen him already score five goals despite having more limited minutes. Alexis, what even though that's kind of the position he's found himself in with the U.S. men's national team as well, how can that still benefit him to find even more minutes with the U.S. squad, given that he's currently, I'd say, the, the number two behind Flo Balligan? Absolutely. I mean, look, his uh, start in Europe wasn't great going to Augsburg in a, in a team that was fighting relegation, couldn't get service at all, couldn't get the ball. And if you're a striker and you can't get the ball, you're not going to score. Mm-hmm. For him to fight, go to Groningen, prove he has the skill set to be a starter and still make the move to a bigger club where he knows he'll have to fight not just a star in Luke de Jong, but the captain and the guy who's putting in goals. I mean, the whole team is scoring goals. But, I mean, I think they're <laughs> – Plus they're, 50 yeah, goal plus differential. Plus 50 goal crazy. They've scored 56 and only let in six. That's yeah. wild. If you like goals, mm. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parades and goals. Huh? It's pomp and circus. You get both. Um, I think this is – just a great a great position to be in for Ricardo Pepe because I think this mimics so much what he's doing on the national team, which is saying, when you give me a chance, mm-hmm. I'm going to show that you might want to give me a little bit more of a chance. He recently got a start in the Champions League as well against Arsenal. Absolutely incredible. And I want to give flowers to Ernie Stewart just to say, man, this dude went to Europe and he's standing on business, bro. He, he put his foot down and said, I'm going to bring in Americans. I'm going to prove that it's not a fluke. I'm not just calling on some of the players I know. I'm going to bring in players that I know can play in this league. And it has worked out perfectly for him. And it's not just Dest and not just Pepe, but Tillman is also killing him. Mm. Yeah, it's... Mm. Uh, U.S. soccer is very grateful that Ernie Stewart is doing yeah. that as well because it's only going to help these guys. And Malik Tillman, what a year for him. Ooh. He has been just heating up and heating up, and it kind of begs the question, what kind of role uh, do you envision Malik Tillman having here in the near future with the U.S. men's national team? Because look at this career profile for this year. One PFA Scotland Young Player of the Year with the Rangers. He extended his Bayern Munich contract to 2026, joined PSV on loan from Bayern in August, and scored his had his first UCL goal contribution uh, and an assist in a draw against Lons. And, and This is a guy who is playing in a position where the U.S. have no shortage of talent. He's in the midfield. That is probably one of the deepest uh, positional groups for the U.S. men's national team. It'll be tough, Michael, for him to break his way in to really be someone that you're putting as a first name down on the team sheet. 
How does he do it? Where does he still have room to grow? And do you think he's a starter for the U.S. come 2026, perhaps? I think he's doing all the right things. He's putting himself in all the right positions because he's got flexibility. He's not just a center midfielder. He can play as an 8. He can play as a 10. He can also play out wide. In the recent match that they played against Azed, he played as a winger. That's not his best position, though. The best position? Put him underneath a striker like Vol Balgan. If you want to play with two strikers, he can make that final pass, and he's playing games. If you're Gio Reyna, he's the sort of player that you're looking over your shoulder because we all think Gio Reyna should be the starter. But if Gio Reyna is not getting minutes, we have to talk about that moving forward. If he stays at Borussia Dortmund and Malik Tillman keeps getting Champions League football, wins the league title with PSV, I think he should start over Giorena. Oof, I'm look, I'm I'm gonna disagree because I think we saw a Nations League Giorena plus Flo Balligan mm-hmm. is a combo that is untouchable. I think it's just great, especially in, in CONCACAF. But I will say, you mentioned Rangers. Malik Tillman goes from Rangers, a physical league proved he can withstand that. Mm-hmm. He can he can shine in those moments. And now he's going to Eredivisie where it's not as physical. You get a lot more opportunities, they're showing it. Goals and assists, he's in, I believe, in fifth place on the team with goals and assists eight. Uh, high XG, high XA. The guy is doing everything you've asked him to, and he's showing you that maybe Gio Reyna has something to worry about. I don't think he does, but he's not that far behind. I if- think he could, though, because yeah. to Mike's point, Gio hasn't been fit. He keeps having these spotty injury Elfish streaks. Yeah. Okay, And so I think Tillman is acutely aware that the more he shows out and proves that he should be that guy – he could swoop in, and that's the good kind of competition you want within the men's national team. Yeah, mm-hmm. important note, as deep as this midfield is for the U.S. men's national team, it's also been one of the position groups that's dealt with quite a few injuries. So it could be an opportunity for Malik Tillman down the line with some really big matches and competitions coming up for the U.S. Thanks so much for joining us here on Morning Footy. We will see you right back here tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody.